Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Safe House, brought to you by The Safe House Initiative. I'm Jeff Edwards, co-chair of The Safe House Initiative and your host for today's podcast. This episode, we are going to investigate what happens after a cyber or ransomware attack. Our guest today will help us understand the crucial activities that take place and how to mitigate the short and long-term impact of an attack. I am pleased to introduce Robert Walker, partner and chair of the Data Privacy and Cybersecurity Practice at Lewis Brisbois. Welcome and thank you for joining us on The Safe House. Jeff, thank you for the invitation. I'm really happy to be here and excited to share my experiences in this uh, ever-changing uh, world of cyber incident response. Well, for our audience, would you mind giving a kind of a snapshot of your background so we can get better acquainted? Yeah, absolutely. So as you mentioned, uh, I'm one of the co-chairs of the Lewis Brisbois uh, cyber practice. Um, we're we're a, a large nationwide firm, but my team handles exclusively uh, incident response and cyber-related matters. We have uh, lawyers all across the country uh, that handle these in every time zone. Um, my background, uh, so I've been practicing law since 2002, and I was a, a litigator uh, to start, so I spent many years litigating, um, And but I had a real interest in technology. Um, and so as this this uh, cyber practice started to emerge. Uh, I became um, interested in it. Uh, I got credentialed in it, uh, you know, around 2016, 2017. And since that time frame, that's been my exclusive practice is handling uh, immediate incident response uh, matters, which would include the most the most common and highly publicized is the ransomware uh, events that you see on the news. Yep. So I help companies through those as well as other types of network intrusions and uh, email compromises, which we won't go into detail on this podcast, but is another very common uh, attack. So when that event happens, uh, you know, you get the call, what do you spring into action and what do you do to save the day, so to speak? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as as the privacy lawyer in the engagement, you know, we have a very crucial role. We we kind of quarterback the whole incident response. So to, to give you a kind of a to step back, I mean, how I how I get notified of these incidents is is usually two ways. We we have uh, sometimes we have clients that call us directly through our hotline or our breach mm-hmm. response email. So we get clients call us directly when they're dealing with an incident. But really more commonly, it's through insurance carriers and our insurance mm-hmm. insurance carrier partners that we work with and that we're on panel with, and they will bring us in. Uh, many times within within minutes uh, of being notified mm. of the incident. These are uh, ransomware in particular are urgent matters. Um, we understand right. that the client's systems are, are down. Um, and just so you understand, you know, uh, what the ransomware attack is, this is where uh, um, unauthorized actor, we call them threat actors, uh, infiltrates mm-hmm. your environment, uh, typically will encrypt your data. But before that encryption event, um, they will also, in many instances, root around your environment and and steal data out, out of your environment as well to uh, to extort you for a payment for both the decryption key and their uh, promise not to publish or misuse the data that they have stolen from your environment. And this mm. is becoming an all too familiar fact pattern. And so our, our role as privacy counsel is to get engaged on the very beginning, uh, create that attorney-client privilege over the investigation to to kind of lead the charge there and then to help bring in resources whether it's ones recommended by your insurance carrier if you have mm-hmm. insurance or ones based on our experience uh, forensic vendors to come in and help uh, contain the environment uh, restore 
your systems to get your business back up and operational as quickly as you can, as well as understand um, how the how the threat actor got into your environment and what kind of damage they did while they were in there. So it sounds like it's kind of a three distinct phases. Uh, uh, there was a containment phase that's kind of the immediate and uh, you know the remediation and containment. And then there's a restoration, let's get things restored. And then uh, uh, I guess you would call it forensics uh, portion. Is that the yes. three stages? Could you dig into each one of those a bit more, uh, Robert? Yeah, absolutely. So the, um, the primary goal um, in any immediate uh, incident response, and, and, and just so the audience is clear, I mean, when, when, when we get brought in and when the forensics get brought in, this is a matter of hours that we're, we're, mm. you know, we're, we're engaged we're working to get systems restored and to figure out what what the issues are that we need to overcome to to have a clean and and successful recovery. But the primary goal from the outset is the um, the recovery and restoration piece uh, of that and the containment piece because we want to get the businesses up and operational as quickly as possible, mm -hmm. but in a safe and remediated environment. So we bring in the forensic vendor to do that containment piece. We often do um, do the restoration piece in conjunction with that, mostly mm -hmm. remote restoration. Sometimes if you know you need on-site resources, we have partners who can do that as well. And so we work around the clock uh, in the first days and weeks of the recovery effort to contain it, to understand um, you know, how the threat actor got in so we can prevent them from getting back in, so we contain it. We deploy appropriate tools uh, antivirus, it's uh, anti antivirus tools uh, that um, that will that will uh, threat hunt and will understand the uh, you know the threats that are out there and contain them as we try to bring in bring up the systems in a clean and safe and remediated environment. So that's that's the primary goal. And depending on the size of the environment, you know that can take uh, days, that can take weeks. It's mm -hmm. just, you know, you have to understand, you know, your own system, the size of it, the amount of data involved, things of that nature. We have to understand those. And um, and then also uh, at the end of that, once once we've got the containment piece moving, we mm -hmm. focus on the forensic side. And that's that's really where Privacy Council comes in to analyze that that data. Once the forensics right. piece is complete and we have the full forensic view of what happened, you know, how they got in, what what did they do when they were in your environment, what data did they touch? That's when we come in and offer our legal advice on whether you have obligations to notify individuals, mm -hmm. possibly regulators, depending upon, um, you know, what industry your business is in. And one thing I haven't mentioned is very critical in the incident response is um, our partnership with the FBI. In these, we 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 recommend immediately um, notifying the FBI when these incidents happen because they have a wealth of information ab about these threat actors. They often can provide some assistance and 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 support in these. So we we often um, notify the FBI, get them you know involved and share information with them because our ultimate goal is to try to stop these these types of attacks. Um, many times uh, we also will engage. Uh, with the threat actors. We will, you know, when the our clients find the ransom note on their system, we'll reach mm -hmm. out to those, uh, to these cyber criminals, uh, and we'll try to gather information about what they did in the environment, what data they may have taken, 
And if unfortunately our client needs uh, to obtain a decryption key, if they're unable to restore their systems uh, mm -hmm. with, on their own, then uh, there are instances that we have to purchase a decryption key. So we, we help with those negotiations and that process as well. Do you also get involved in the regulatory requirements as part of your, uh, you know, your 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 legal hat you have in terms of saying you have this exposure here, you also have the contractual issues. It sounds like you do cover a lot of that also. Yeah, absolutely. We, um, you know, at the very outset, we like to understand, you know, who our client is, what what their regulators are. are they, you know, are they a medical facility that would be subject to HIPAA and the Department of Health and Human Services, a very common example. And so mm. we help guide them through what their obligations uh, are to notify possibly patients, uh, possibly staff, and then uh, ultimately notifying the regulator involved, the Department of Health and Human Services Office for Civil Rights, as an example. So we're there are deadlines. Uh, some of those uh, for the federal regulators, those those are standardized, but but state law has its own unique deadlines that that um, that are in play. So you have to you have to understand the the, the legal implications of, of these incidents. And that's that's one thing that Privacy Council can can help guide you through throughout the incident. Now, do you have like a soft side of the equation also where it's you're the adult in the, the room at the time because everybody else is panicked, especially if it's a family owned business or, you know, the CEOs, you know, their their job is potentially on the line. I would imagine you have uh, other aspects of what you provide besides just the, the legal counsel. One of our main roles is to serve as, a, as kind of like a counselor uh, through the incidents, hmm. because as you point out, this is professionally in many instances the worst experience uh, this business has undergone you know mm -hmm. their their business is potentially uh, at risk you know if they're unable to get their data back if they're unable to yep. get their customer data back unable to start sending and receiving orders um, and that you know if that delays it for weeks or months at a time that can put some businesses at risk so we counsel them through that we want to put together effective plans to, to get a, a, a quick but clean recovery, you know, so mm -hmm. they're not reinfected. But um, part of our role is to also message to any important partners that they have. So as you're undergoing these incidents, it, you know, it doesn't just affect your, your immediate client or the immediate mm -hmm. victim. If they have connectivity with other vendors, other partners, or they do business, you know, yep. uh, in other ways, that, that business will be impacted as well. So many times you may owe them a notification just from a business perspective, um, just to maintain that trust relationship with your business partners, or you may have a contractual obligation, uh, as you mentioned, to notify. And so that's one of the things that we help analyze. So it's not just the forensic evidence that the uh, the vendor will provide us. It's also their contractual obligations mm -hmm. um, that, you know, that are unique for each one of our clients. So for our, our listening audience, are there things that they could do to uh, kind of lay the groundwork before they're hit? You know, hopefully they, they never are attacked, but can they do certain things in preparation for that day that this comes? So when you walk through the door, they have some familiarity with what your job is and how you're going to help them. Yeah, I would say and and there th this this could be a discussion for uh, many, many hours. We could go through best practices for mm -hmm. security. We could go best practices uh, for getting prepared for these. I mean, you really want to prevent them. I mean, that's that's the main goal is to prevent these attacks. But I, I tell most people it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. 
even yep. though sophisticated um, businesses uh, suffer these attacks. You know, but but the, what the best prepared businesses can do is they can recover from them more quickly. And mm-hmm. so the the way the 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 way to get a, the best result if you are the victim of one of these attacks, really, I'll I'll mention three things just to kind of keep it very very high level. Have an incident response plan uh, in mm-hmm. place, and by that I mean understand you know go go through projects where you're dealing with you know a hypothetical of you know we wake up on a Saturday morning, our systems are locked up, we're seeing strange file extensions at the end, meaning there's encryption. What do you mm-hmm. do? What is yep. your immediate step? So you need to, to assign roles to, to people within the organization. You know, who, who is going to do what uh, to get this response moving? And, and the, you know, the first thing you do if you have an insurance policy, the, a cyber mm-hmm. insurance policy, is to call your carrier, call your broker. Get those resources up and available. I can't tell you how many times, uh, you know, in the middle or the end of an engagement, a client says, I just, I can't believe the the resources this this insurance carrier brought to bear to help us mm-hmm. through this. We would not have been able to get through it without them. So contact your carrier, get get the folks involved. And then if you don't have a carrier, you know, reach out, reach out to, to a lawyer or a forensic firm to get them involved. Mm-hmm. But you want to have a plan in place that assigns these roles has you know lists of people that you're going to contact that you're going to reach out to and also um we were talking about the impact on your customers have you know have an understanding of of what your customer needs will be and how you can respond uh to that so like a communication plan for customers Mm -hmm. many times when we have these incidents the contractual obligations to notify or guess what, are locked up on the file server that's locked yep. up. So yeah. I ask my clients, can you, you know, tell me what contractual obligations you have? Like, well, I think we have some, but I can't access them. They're on the, they're mm. on the system that's now mm-hmm. locked up. So, so understand that as part of your incident response plan, understand what your legal obligations are and kind of map that out and have that offline in case, in case there, there is an incident. The, the second thing after having that incident response plan uh, is to have good backups. I can't mm-hmm. tell you how much better uh, a recovery will be if you have good, immutable, offsite backups yep. that that you can you can restore. And and this goes in with your incident response plan. Not only do you need to have backups, you need to test them. Make sure that, you know, have have a, a regular point in time where you test them and also you understand how long is it going to take for me to restore from backups? Right. I can't tell you how many times I get on a call and the client's like, all right, what, you know, when are we going to be back in operational? And I, I have to say, well, do you know, do you have backups? And they're like, yes. Well, have you tested those to see how long it's going to take to restore from the backups? And yeah. they don't know. And so just understanding your backup solution, understanding and testing it and making sure that you have you have a realistic framework for how long it will take to restore from those backups. Um, that that I can't tell you how much better your recovery will be if you have those the incident response uh, plan, the backup solution that's tested and and validated in place. But to you know to prevent people from getting in, um, there there are many different. Uh, Many different security recommendations that I hear, um, and you know, for 
for many companies, some of it's cost prohibitive. There's the the EDR tools out there that that are very advanced that are um, you know a lot of uh, um, artificial intelligence put, built into them. Where they're if you think about your traditional uh, antivirus, they have to have known hashes that um, that that are out there in the wild. They have to know the bad code to catch it. But these these kind of next gen antivirus tools. Mm-hmm. Um, they 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 can they can threat hunt and detect anomalous behavior and executables. A lot of companies uh, have those and have a SOC team monitoring it 24/7. That's a that's a great solution. But for many companies, that's cost prohibitive. So what we we talk about a lot is just making sure your perimeter is protected, and that's making sure that multi-factor authentication is in place for every yep. application. Yep. Every remote access point, every account within your environment, email or otherwise, where you have it and where there is an there is a tool to implement multi-factor, you need to do that. There's a lot to this, Robert. Um, any uh, final thoughts you want to leave with our audience? Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. It's um, you know, you're not alone. If you wake up that Saturday morning and and you know you you can't access your files, you see a ransom note, you see some note saying we we We've encrypted your systems. You know, you must reach out to us uh, to get these files back, et cetera. Um, there's going to be immediate panic, but understand there are resources out there. There are professionals who deal with these things on a daily basis, and you're going to get through it. You're going to recover. You're going to get through it. It will probably be painful for a matter of days and weeks, but it gets better each day we go through it. I see it all the time. The panic level from day one to a week into it drops. It drops every single day. Every single day, people get more comfortable. So just understand you're going you're gonna to get through it, and there are resources out there to help and assist you through that process. Well, Robert, thank you very much. It was very informative. Have a great day. All right. Thank you. That's our podcast for today. I'm Jeff Edwards for the Safe House Initiative. Thanks for joining us, and remember, be safe, be resilient, and be kind to each other. For more information on the Safe House Initiative, please use your mobile device to scan the QR code on the screen. Send us an email at safehouseinitiative.org at gmail.com, or visit us on our website, safehouseinitiative.org. We look forward to hearing from you.